This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. I, I said myself that it will not, it changes nothing what, 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 how many years uh, this contract says. I, I demand from myself to deliver, to have an impact and uh, to, do, to be the best I can. So it will not change, uh, and this will not change in the future. If I deserve to stay, uh, I am super happy. Uh, to stay and uh, I will try to stay as long as possible this uh, feels I feel uh, like a part of uh, the Chelsea family the club feels super professional we have unbelievable quality of support amount of support and we have a team which is a pleasure to to be at the sideline and to fight with this team so um, honestly I don't care what it says in my contract. I need to deserve to stay longer. If I if I deserve to stay longer, I will stay longer, no matter what what, the, what it says. Um, this is what I demand from myself, and I feel uh, free in the moment also, and I feel good. I'm at the right place in the right moment. Everything else will fall to its place when it's when it's there. And if I want to stay long, I need to deliver week out, week in, week out. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Thomas Tuchel hoping to stay at Chelsea for a very, very long time. It's the Monday show off the ball with me, Ross, and my three guests whom I caught on Sunday evening getting together to discuss a breakaway football chat show. I am so disgusted, but I still love them. <laughs> I still love them and I say welcome, Des Corkill. Thank you very much. And may I be the first to say I told you so. <laughs> Yeah, who knew money ran football? Who knew? Who knew? Arvin Sidhu is also here. Hello, Arvin. Hi, everyone. It was a good st- good end to the week, almost with 4,000 fans being allowed back in for Leicester versus Southampton. But boy, have we come back down to earth after that. So, yeah. yeah, and unlucky that 4,000 fans got to see Leicester versus Southampton instead of any other football. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Anil is also here. Hello, Nick. Hi, Ross. How are you? I'm all right. You look all for the breakaway league. Nope, definitely not. And um, I think, uh, you know, that, that and, and, and the fact that Arsenal's goal uh, got disallowed is going to get death talking. Uh, <laughs> right, let's get into it then. Uh, tweet at BFM Radio or, or find us individually on Twitter. Uh, follow us on, on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, we heard Thomas Tuchel at the, at the start. Uh, he maneuvered Chelsea past the juggernaut that is Manchester City. 1-0 uh, in the FA Cup semi-final. Hakim Ziyech scoring uh, from Timo Werner's pass in the second half. There's Corkill. I thought overall Chelsea probably edged it. They looked like they wanted it a bit more. City were, were a bit weakened, weren't they, with the team selection? I'm not quite sure you can call it weakened. They had a lot of changes. They were chasing four trophies. But as, uh, as many teams throughout the years have, have found out, that if you chase four trophies, something will go wrong somewhere along the way. They stuttered in the league against uh, Leeds, of course. Uh, they, they, they stuttered in the, in the derby against Manchester United. Now they've stuttered against uh, Chelsea. Did they peak too early? It was a question Bob Holmes um, uh, posed uh, for Manchester City about about a month ago, have they peaked too early? Chelsea are peaking at perfectly the right time. Now we talk about Chelsea. 
They're in the final of the FA Cup against Leicester. They've got a great chance of progression in the Champions League. Plus, they're looking for a top three spot in the, um, in the, in the Premier League. This could turn out to be a, a fabulous um, change of management for uh, Abramovich. Uh, but money wins once again, as always. It's, uh, it's, it's Manchester City owned by a state versus Chelsea owned by a Russian oligarch. And we're celebrating. <laughs> yeah, we try to look past it all. It's like it's like why I enjoy the IPL, despite all that nonsense. That's worse, mate. That's worse. <laughs> Bold, uh, was hit into the sponsored six over the sponsored um, uh, uh, rope over the sponsored this over the sponsored that. That's where we're going, mate. That's where we're going. Yeah, but the Delhi Capitals came back though. Um, all right, different, different, different program, different program. Um, <laughs> Guardiola, I, I know Des said they can't be weak in City, but Arvin Guardiola made eight changes from the Dortmund win. Um, I don't know. I look at Zach Stefan and I think, okay, weak link there straight away. He's not as you know, comfortable on the ball, and he looked a weak link, didn't he? It, but Guardiola came up with a very interesting quote before the game. He said that if I dropped Zach Stefan, I would I would lose the dressing room, and he'd rather lose a game than lose the dressing room because Zach Stefan has played in all the previous rounds of the FA Cup. Uh, but yeah, City looked toothless on the day. I thought uh, Chelsea kind of outplayed them on almost every part of the park. Um, but it's, it's taken us to what April seventeenth to end the quadruple talk so that's 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 a mighty good achievement i mean if you can get to the middle part of april and still be in a discussion for a quadruple it, it does say something uh it changes but the concerning bit for city coming out of that would be while some players didn't play well Cancelo, sterling again the real concern that they have is that kdb took a knock and we're yeah. going into the business end of the season when you've got league cup final that's coming at this this weekend you've got the champions league coming against psg the concerning bit is that you need KDB back, especially for these crunch games. So a few things for Cordero to think about, uh, but still, they've done fantastically well right up to this point. Let's not take anything away from them. Yeah, Chelsea have now reached the FA Cup final in four of the last five seasons, which is quite remarkable. They will take on Brendan Rodgers and Leicester City at Wembley. Leicester won Southampton nil. Um, Leicester on the verge of creating history. It's been a really good season, Nicholas Arnold, for Brendan Rodgers and the Blues. Yeah, I think um, when Brendan Rodgers uh, took over in 2019, uh, there, there was a lot of expectations, but I think there was also uh, some sort of doubts on uh, you know what he could do with this Leicester City side. Uh, because shortly after that, they lost Harry Maguire, they lost Ben Chilwell, who were the fulcrum of their team at that time. But, you know, fast forward two years, he's kept the core of that Leicester City squad intact. And, you know, they have such a competitive yet lean squad, which performs week in, week out. Um, and just going back to this match against uh, Southampton, it, it, was not, it was not the greatest of match. Thank God it was a 130 kickoff in Malaysia, so <laughs> not many of were subjected with you know, but I thought Leicester was a better team uh, overall. Uh, you know, they created more chances. Uh, they had they had uh, better uh, opportunities and were rightly rewarded with the winning goal. And who would who would put it past them? You know, to go ahead and now upset uh, Chelsea in the FA Cup final. It just kept such a memorable season uh, for Leicester City and the work that Brandon Rogers has done with each and every one of his uh, players. You know, they've all got good things to say about him, not just because. Is their manager, but you know they've pinpointed individually the sort of uh, uh, work that he's done with them and the style of man management, man management that he's produced uh, throughout uh, his course uh, with this team. 
absolutely uh, magnificent from uh, Brandon Rogers and Leicester City. Yeah, you 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 could probably say say the same uh, about Ralph Hessenhuttle in Southampton. They're a very good outfit, but on the day against Leicester in a cup semi final, Descorkill, they look like they didn't want it as much. Uh, they've been a dreadful outfit for the best part of four months, haven't they? They've been dropping in, in the league like a stone. They went through that record run of defeats. They uh, barely put a, a shot of um, any kind of meaningfulness here uh, on, 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 uh, on Leicester. So, Cup semi-final, biggest game for the likes of James Ward prowse I think the audition was failed. First rant of the day, though. Why are they playing in white? What's yeah. the colour clash with blue? Yeah. Yeah. What's the colour clash? It's a little thing. But as we're finding out, tradition is important because you lose a little bit of tradition and those fellas with the money, you know what they'll do? They'll come and take all your tradition away from you. Southampton play in red and white stripes or red as a main home colour. And they decide in one of the biggest worldwide occasions that they've got uh, this season to play in white and be unrecognisable. You look at the photos of this 20 years down the time and you'll say, oh, who's the team in white? I recognise the team in blue because Leicester play in blue. But who's the team in white? Crazy, crazy. <laughs> Tradition really matters. Get it into your brains, you young people, because otherwise you'll have it all taken away from you. Iniacho becomes the first Nigerian player to score 15 goals in all competitions in a season for a Premier League side since Odin Igalo for Watford, who scored 17. But yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I, I think Southampton lost because they didn't wear red. I'm with Des on that one. All right, that's the FA Cup. We'll talk about the final when it gets closer. Uh, there was some league action as well. Um, let's talk about the Friday night game. So rewind a little bit. It was Everton 2, Tottenham 2. Um, big news from this. Well, Spurs went ahead and then they went behind. And then Harry Kane had to save them with, a, with, a, with his second and a late equaliser, 2-2. Big news from this is that Harry Kane limped off Arvin Sidhu. Um, doesn't look good. Let, let's hope uh, injury is nothing that serious. I mean, again, they've got an opportunity since 2008 to finally win something this weekend. They would want him to be there. You would expect him not to play in the midweek game. They've got a midweek match, but against, they'll do everything that they possibly can to get him get back against City on the weekend. But really, when you look at this Tottenham's, Tottenham squad, right, we always talk about Jose Moreno having the third, se third season syndrome. Has it come early to the first season? <laughs> they've, dropped, they've dropped 18 points from winning position. The yeah. only team that's dropped more, more points than them is Brighton. And that's not what Daniel Levy signed up for. Daniel Levy signed up for someone to get results and to deliver trophies. And they might. They might do it on the weekend. We don't know. But the point is, it's not the Jose Moreno way. That, that Spurs is progressing. And there's a belief that he won't be at the club come end of the season. There's been a lot of rumours that they're looking at guys like Nuno Espirito Santo. They're looking at a lot of different people. There's a growing belief if they can get him off the contract and they might because they're going to be in the European Super League by the looks of it, they, they probably could do away with Jose Moreno. But their main concern right now would be getting Harry Kane fit for this weekend. Yeah. I, I'm... Un unlucky for Spurs, really, because um, where they are right now, if they were in the European Super League, they'd be second. <laughs> but for, for Everton, it's getting serious now, Nick. No, no Premier League win in five games. I mean, there's a lot of talk about European football. They started so brightly, but 
they, they've petered off now. They've gone flat. Yeah, I think uh, the catalyst for this defeat, if you were to watch this game, uh, was was ultimately down to the defensive lapse between uh, Michael Keane and uh, Mason Holgate. You know, apart from that, Everton were top. You know, uh, Southampton only <laughs> had two shots on goal, and they converted both. You know, gifted uh, and completed by Harry Kane. Uh, it was for me not not much of a contest. You know, Everton were were superior in this, but. You know, it's just a lack of communication. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that uh, Ancelotti has faced this season, you know. Uh, before this, he was Michael Keane and Gary Mina. And Gary Mina is always a solid defender, you know. He's, he's strong, you know, he's robust, he's good from set pieces, you know, he scores a couple of goals as well. But when he's not there, then, you know, Everton lose that fulcrum and, and they go a bit soft at the back. And, and that's what uh, Spurs ultimately exploited. Uh, but, uh, you know, good news for Everton, you know, I think uh, Ancelotti would be pleased to see Ames Rodriguez back. You know, if he had been fit for most parts of Everton's season, I think they would be way higher than where they are now. You know, it's just that his injuries have derailed them a bit. Uh, but it was good to see that connection with Gilfi Sigurdsson, you know, working out. Oh, those two are, are really the creative force that drives Everton. And, you know, he'll be hoping for uh, much more from those two. And also, uh, when uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin comes back, I think he will have more uh, a drive towards goal. And, yeah, I think uh, there's only good things for for. Everton uh, towards the end of the season. They just need to sort out those uh, frailties at the back. Yeah, individual mistakes. Um, that, that's every every manager's bane in football. But but there's both clubs, Everton and, and Spurs. You could say fair result in the end because they were as good as each other. Both have underachieved this season. So go on, take a point each. Well, no, I think Nicholas got that right. Everton, Everton uh, contributed to their own uh, downfall there because they, they did play well, Everton. And the goal from um, uh, Silke, uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson was a stunning goal. Was it so a penalty for you? Uh, in 2021, yeah, he breathed on him, so it's clear that he's <laughs> into a gulag for 10 years. Uh, but then he'll be able to pay his way out and pay the <laughs> So don't worry, it's all fair. It's all fair. But uh, Everton played very well. And yeah. they were just undone by two fabulous Harry Kane goals. Yeah. And that showed why Tottenham were with him. He demolished those two shots into the back of the net. And uh, the first touch was awesome for the first first goal. And he, and he put it in his second. It comes at him from it, unexpectedly. And you've seen other players kind of back out or be taken by surprise. Kane, bang, straight into the, into the back of the net. We had um, three top, top goals there. A, a draw did neither team any good. No. But I thought Everton will feel, will feel a little bit unlucky. But they're still celebrating winning the championship three times this season. So you can understand a little bit of a hangover. <laughs> he has to get his dig in, doesn't he? But Arvin Sidhu, where would Tottenham be without a certain Harry Kane, eh? Hey? I, I don't think they'll be in the top half, to be very honest. Uh, they depend on him so much. I mean, you're looking at, what, 30 goals and 35 appearances across all competitions. I mean, without him, I, I, I struggle to believe where the goal's going to come from. You brought in Gareth Bale, which for more than one reason has not worked out. Son started the season well, but has kind of gone off the boil a little bit because we looked at that Son and Kane partnership and they were complementing each other so well. In a Jose Moreno team, where else does the goals come from? It, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And what was concerning for, for, him, for me over the weekend look, watching that match was that the likes of Eric Dyer, who Jose Mourinho has always had a fondness for. If you remember during Man United's day, he spoke to Eric Dyer in the tunnel. He wanted him to come over to Man United. Sergei Regulon played well. But when those players start not performing at the structure that Mourinho sets up, 
we all know he's not expensive. He's not going to let players express themselves. When the defensive structure starts giving way in the way that it has, that's when you know it's not working with Jose Moreno. It's happened with his main teams. But I agree with, with this. The best team goal for me on the season, on, on the weekend, was that Gilfie Sigurdsson goal. And it really attributed to Seamus Coleman coming in and the cross from the right. Beautiful, beautiful team goal. Yeah, it was a beautiful goal. Here's a stat. Harry Kane has been directly involved in 62 goals in 62 appearances in all competitions for Spurs under Jose Mourinho. That's 45 goals and 17 assists. He he really is. uh, Worth waiting goal? No, more, more. Uh, We're going into a break. Our first one. Stick with us back right after this. Well, the rules have been clarified and and they've looked to to balance things in a fairer fashion. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. They are off and running in 2021. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Des Corkill, Arvin Sidhu and Nicholas Anil here on a Monday evening. We look back at the weekend's football. There was a reduced Premier League fixture list because the remaining games are all played during the week. We'll tell you about those later. But uh, this one was a bit of a shock result. Newcastle United 3, West Ham 2. Um, but in typical Newcastle fashion, Des Corkill, the Geordies were 2-0 up and they were cruising. West Ham were down to 10 men, and what do you know? 2-2. Suddenly you think, oh. Well, I don't like to brag, but I called this one. You did, didn't you? I I, I did, because I can see Newcastle have uh, let the shackles off. But uh, listen, if we're going to talk European Super League, the entertainment provided by Newcastle's first goal is exactly the kind of entertainment that we want. You've got one centre-half taking somebody out on the halfway line, earning himself a, a red card. Then you've got the goalkeeper in the centre-back playing patter cake to a weak shot from St. Maxim and trundle it into their own net. Hilarity is absolutely guaranteed if you have that kind of defending. That was a better goal than Gilfie Sigerson's, in my, in my view, purely because I'm still aching from the, from the giggles of it. But you're quite right. Newcastle came back. West Ham were very good. You've got to say that. Uh, and uh, you pointed out a stat. That's their first defeat in about 25 games against teams in the bottom half of the table. That, more than anything, is a testament to the work that David Moyes have done. I've not been a fan of them. I've been expecting them to drop like a stone. This is a rare blip. It's good for Liverpool um, and, and the other teams chasing the Champions League. But, um, gosh, they're, they're a better team than, I, than, than we realise. But the comedy of that first goal, oh, genius. And the second yeah. goal, actually. Exactly. I was going to say Fabianski didn't want to be left out of the comedy stuff because uh, he dropped one as well. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, Nick, uh, it's true. West Ham can, can come away. They, they'll feel hard done by. They feel that they, they were good for at least a point out of this one. Yeah, if you look at the first half, you know, you thought it was game done and dusted. Uh, the red card and uh, Newcastle going two goals up. Uh, West Ham simply did not look uh, like they were going to get anything out of this game. Uh, in the first half and you know uh, second half they emerged a completely different team uh, and again you know the catalyst to that to that uh, resurgence uh, was again Jesse Lingard you know who, who played such a pivotal role uh, in both goals um, and it was just uh, they were undone ultimately by uh, Joe Willock had an amazing goal as well you know deserving of any uh, uh, match winning goal uh, but yeah as, as Des mentioned uh, West Ham you know despite going a man down they showed a lot of fight they showed a lot of uh, Hunger, they tried to keep it compact. Um, and, you know, it was just unfortunate that they couldn't come away with at least a point. 
But I don't think David Moyes will be too disheartened. You know, uh, they still got about six matches left. You know, the confidence is still high in their team. You know, all of them, you know, know their tasks and they go about their business in a very concentrated manner. So I expect to see West Ham uh, continuing to do well uh, until the end of the season. Yeah, um, I tell you what, for, for Newcastle, Arvin, Alan Saint-Maximin coming back from injury has literally saved them from relegation. It has. And, and I agree with that to a certain extent that he has allowed, he's going to take out the shackles and allow them to play. He's so in good way, to watch though. He runs fearlessly yeah. at people. Yeah, he does. But in a way, can you look at the rub of the green that Newcastle had on that first goal? Firstly, Craig Gardner gets sent off. Secondly, Isa Diop, who's trying to clear the ball, puts the ball in the back of his own net. St. Maximum last week saved them against Burnley. This week he saved them again. And then he gets injured. And now they're nine points clear away from the relegation spot. So if there was ever an action hero's guy coming into the movie, saving the day and walking off in the sunset, that's a maximum for you because that's what he's done. But if you read and you go to Newcastle forums, no one is giving Steve Bruce any credit for this because it's just the players that he's had at his disposal and he's allowed them to go out and play Almiron, Wilson, St. Maximum. There's even been talk of Newcastle fans wanting to go and take the England under-21 job since Eddie Boothroyd has left. That's how they <laughs> want him out of that club. So it's unfortunate, but he will he will keep them up. In my view, he will keep them up. It's an unfortunate because you're results-based, but they still had quite a bit of a rubble between, I felt, over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, just a bit. And we, But you know when Joe Linton scores, Newcastle always win. He just he doesn't score very often. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, all right. Um, sad news. Uh, Sheffield United's relegation confirmed over the weekend. They lost 1-0 at Wolves. It was um, first goal for, for the Wolves striker. What's his name? William. With William Jose. Jose. Yeah. And um, in his 11th game. But yeah, Sheffield United, it was just relegation waiting to happen. That's Corkill. I think maybe they'll play with more freedom now they're down. Yeah, it is a shame because they, they, they never resorted to, to kicking players. They never resorted to purely defensive tactics. Um, I think if you bring a championship team up and they do well in season one, you, you're, you're duty-bound to really try and uh, super-invest. But they, they, they lost their goalkeeper, which was very important, and then they lost their whole back three. And that changed the whole dynamic of the team. You lose your, you lose your base and even go, everything is impacted going forward. So it doesn't matter that Ryan Brewster was bought for 20-odd million. Ryan Brewster on a decent side or a confident side, I'm sure, would score goals. But he's getting stick because he didn't come on and individually score five or 10 or 20 goals for, for Sheffield United. Uh, they tried to play the right way. Um, the, the, the casualties, though, are Chris Wilder. Um, he had such a, a wonderful career at Sheffield United. And now Hecking Bottom, who's got um, uh, another relegation uh, to, to, to his name. Um, where do they do from here? Do they do a Norwich? They try and keep that squad together and improve on it a little bit with the, the wealth. Wealth, there we go again, that they will take into the uh, nomadic uh, championship and maybe try and come back first time. So there are the questions now. How stable is the club? How much money is going to be invested into the team? Uh, they were fun last year. They've been interesting this year. They want to avoid some bad records. I think they need goals to um, avoid being the, the, the least scoring team. Um, but yeah, they've been a welcome addition without um, uh, really, um, really being an asset to the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely, spot on. You you really feel for for Ian Brewster, a year uh, well, World Youth Cup winner. A year ago, he was a Liverpool player, 
<laughs> he went for a lot of money and he's just had no service. I, I hope his confidence is not shot. I hope he will stay and, and have a thriving season in the championship. But but yeah, I mean, Sheffield United, that, that's all you can say, really. Uh, obviously, Arvin and Nick, both of you have things to say about Hacking Bottom. Uh, he won't be the man to bring them back up, will he? What the heck were they thinking? Uh, giving him the job in the first place, albeit on an interim basis, you know. Uh, really, uh, hacking bottom spells disaster, and I really testify. We're speaking from experience, uh, and it's really still on the pitch, you know. They've only scored one goal, you know, lost four. He's not been able to rejuvenate them in any sense. And, you know, the faster he leaves the door, you know, the better off Sheffield United uh, will, be, will be without him. Second that all the way. <laughs> I thought Arvin was gonna was gonna play neutral and stick up for Paul Hacking Bottom. I, I second that all the way. I don't get I don't get the logic of sacking Chris Wilder. You look at Norwich, they went down, they kept faith with Daniel Farker, he's brought them up again. I, I get that Sheffield United didn't get their first win till I think game week 17th. But if there was ever anyone who brought your club up from League One to the championship, to the Premier League, an honest, hardworking man that fits the what the ethos of Sheffield United is, you would trust him with that. I think the players have to take a lot of accountability to him. But Paul Hackingbottom is just a disaster. They'll end up in League One if they, they continue with him, honestly. Des, do you reckon they'll 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 come back? <laughs> Des can't stop laughing. <laughs> Des, you can take off the I Heart Paul Hackingbottom t-shirt now. <laughs> do, do you think Sheffield United are likely to come back up in, okay, let's say the next two seasons? Well, the, the, um, the mystery or the intrigue surrounding uh, how Chris Wilder left, whether he was sacked, whether he resigned, whether he demanded more money, whether the owners are actually there to invest or they're going to take the millions that they made out of the Premier League. Two seasons in the Premier League plus uh, parachute payments is a, is a lot of dosh to walk away. And we do know that money talks in football. Um, so they may well walk away. I don't know. It depends on the management structure there. And I don't have the, the inside knowledge. If uh, Norwich are a stable club, Sheffield United never really struck me as a particularly stable club. Um, so that is the imponderable. I don't have an answer to. Um, <laughs> I don't think Paul Heckingbottom, if there was a vote from this little group, would uh, uh, be requested <laughs> to stay on as manager. No. What did he do to your boys? It sounds <laughs> like it was personal. <laughs> it's dark days. There's dark days. We don't want to revisit that. <laughs> I, I think Norwich City's secret is Delia Smith's cooking and then her pies, obviously. Obviously. Right, we're going into another break. Uh, more, more of the weekend uh, right after this. Immediate thrust, recognisable certainty, and a nasty dig in the ribs. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Five yards out, unchallenged, unmarked, makes absolutely no mistake. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. Des Corkill, Nicholas Arnold and Arvin Sidhu joining me this Monday evening to look back on the Premier League and FA Cup weekend. Um... Twitter, you can tweet at BFM Radio. You can also find us all individually on Twitter. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram. We've also got a, a Facebook page, BFM Football. Check it out. Uh, Arsenal won. Fulham won. Fulham missed out on a chance again to close the gap. In fact, West Brom are probably more likely to close the gap. But let's concentrate on Fulham here. 97th minute equaliser. From Eddie Nketiah, there's Corkill. Um, I know you got a lot to say about this game, so I'm gonna hand it to you. 
So I, I don't know why Scott Parker is so upset because his team won by two VAR decisions to one. They pick up the points. Maybe Arsenal get the wealth bonus point to add to their bonus goal that actually crossed the line and went between those white posts. But it was 2-1 on VAR. That is an absolute fact. And Fulham can feel robbed that that wealth goal has gone against them. I tell you what, uh, the VAR is an absolute piece of garbage. Don't like to say I told you so, but I told you so. You mess around with tradition, you mess around with basics, you try and bring slide rule accuracy, and you will get this kind of stupidity, rank, craven, crass decisions that are just bespoiling the game. Everyone says that the penalty that Fulham got was a clear penalty. He barely touched him. He barely escaped <laughs> the bottom of his foot and ever oh, it's a clear penalty in 2021. It is garbage. You've ruined the game. You have taken any contact out of it. You're turning people off. You are ruining tradition. You are ruining what football is meant to be about. You are ruining the reason why a penalty was introduced, which is for a foul. Uh, and then these VAR decisions, there's so many of them. They take so long. This is two to one in VAR. Forget the goals that cross the line. We're going to stop the goals counting. We'll have the wealth tax and VAR decisions going away. So Fulham win 2-1. But they lose the wealth tax as well, so it's two also. So it's a fair result. Everyone's happy. Well played, everybody. Well played, those in authority. You're doing a great job. Maybe a little sarcasm thrown in there. I'm not quite sure. You'll have to figure that one out yourselves. Um, was Rob holding offside, Arvin Sidhu? Uh, it's a tricky one. I mean, it's um, because at one point when the ball crosses, comes across him, you ask yourself the question, is he infringing in play? Is he in He's got to be in the way, right? Yeah. He's got to be in the way. Yeah, he's got to be in the way. So in that case, you are obstructing the view of the goalkeeper, which is going to lead to the ball falling to Inkete and scoring. Okay, and I agree with that. There's the, the, some of the VAR calls are just diabolical. And I, I still don't get it when they draw the lines. It doesn't look like it's correct to me when they draw the lines, but they somehow make another decision. I'm just, waiting to, I'm just waiting to the point whether it's a red line or a green line. It's like, okay, whatever it is. But my main issue with this is at the end of it, Arsenal, you're playing Fulham at home. And when you score a goal like that and you celebrate in the manner that you did, you would think that they won a qualification for Champions League or they won a trophy. The way that they celebrated, you look at Mikel Arteta at that moment when they scored, he's ushering them to get back to the middle of the pitch and restart the game and go for the win. But they're too busy celebrating. And that's the problem with this Arsenal club and has been for many years. It's the mentality that they have. It's a soft mentality. It's a very self-entitled mentality. And they haven't gone anywhere. And poor Mikel Teta is trying his best to change it. But my God, when they celebrated it, anyone watching a game who didn't know the background of it probably thought they won a cup or something. So that was just shocking to me. Let's face it. In the proposed European Super League, Arsenal and Spurs would be fighting it out, wouldn't they, Nicholas Arnil? <laughs> At the bottom. Indeed. indeed. <laughs> but I, I want to give special praise to Bert Leno, you know. Uh, came up all the way, committed himself, got the all-important header, you know, that ultimately led to the goal. Uh, it was nothing more than Arsenal deserve, I thought. Uh, so, they, for me, they were justified to celebrate uh, in the manner which they did. Uh, getting robbed of their penalty decision. Uh, what was it? The tip of the boot that, that, that basically was uh, the difference between uh, a goal and no goal. So... You know, Arsenal had every right to be aggrieved, but you know, credit to them. They pushed all the way, you know, they fought, uh, they did not give up. 
Um, but again, um, at the end of the the day, this result does nothing for both sides. Yeah. Arsenal, you know, lose further ground in, in chasing for the Champions League. Uh, Fulham are still mired deep uh, in the trenches of relegation. Um, so it's 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 really a disheartening result for both teams. And you know, if you look at VAR, it's just not the context of 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 this result. You know, so close to the, to the end of the season, you're you're looking at points lost, which means. Uh, you know, uh, uh, places, you know, uh, final standings, which will uh, indirectly or directly translate towards uh, 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 income, uh, TV, TV rights income, you know, and, and all sorts of other income sponsorships, you know, so it's a spillover effect just because of one decision to add on to what Des had said earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. Let's let's stick with the football. And, and, and all right. Arteta is the right man at Arsenal. When they play well, they play well. He's got an idea, but what... Okay, and this season is a write-off for Arsenal. Let's face it, Des Corkill. But So what, what's Mikel Arteta got to do to make sure that Arsenal challenge next season? Well, it's not a write-off because they've still got the little matter of uh, the Europa League. Uh, there's still a trophy to aim for. And True. we've spoken... Uh, it's very sweet of us to actually still be talking football, uh, the, the football, because the football is so irrelevant to what goes on. But uh, let, let, let's let's pretend. Um, so Arteta, he's got that goal and he's got this bunch of young lads. Now, I disagree with Arvind, actually. I think uh, celebrate. I kind of understand that they celebrate in their perhaps going over the top, but their fighting spirit was there. And it's yeah. a young lad. And Ketia, he's not quite so young anymore, but a young lad's done it. Smith Rowe was there. Young players will get you some good results and, and it'll be a little bit inconsistent. And again, on Friday, we were wondering which Arsenal would, would turn up against Fulham. It, it was the boring one. Um, but <laughs> they still they still had the fighting spirit to go on and get that equaliser. And justify if you score in the 97th minute, I think you can celebrate. It's, it's the one thing for now in football that remains unchanged. They're trying to do away with it with VAR. They are trying to stop celebrations and they nearly succeeded in stopping that celebration by suggesting that Rob Holding, who's about three metres away from the line of the ball, nowhere near offside, but we've got to have the drama of a VAR garbage coming in once again. <laughs> and Ketia scores, great celebration. And, and, and young players, give, give them a chance. You don't write Arteta off over one year or 18 months as, as it is. Um, and they've still got the Europa League to aim for. All right. Same goes for Man United. Europa League to aim for and, and uh, blow the trumpet of a young player there. Mason Greenwood got himself a brace. Man United notched up their 19th win of the season. That's already one more than last season. 3-1 uh, against Burnley. Uh, Ole was right. You get rid of the, the, the red seat coverings. Replace them with black, you're fine. I was a bit worried when Dean Henderson put on a red cap. I was like, oh my goodness, what's Maguire going to think when he turns around? But thankfully, it all worked out all right. Um, United have, well, they look like they've got second, Arvin. Yeah, for me, they're probably the second informed team after Chelsea in the league right now. They've got a good momentum. Behind Mathematically, uh, the title is still on, eight points behind. Uh, eight <laughs> points behind, uh, but you City would just need 10 more to kind of sew that up. So you would expect... Come on, Villa! <laughs> so you'd expect them to get that. Uh, but no, some of the goals I thought, I thought was just class. The first one especially, I mean, you had Rashford running down the right and Bruno with that nice dummy, and then Greenwood with the finish. What impress, impresses me most about Mason Greenwood is that he's so deadly with both feet. With both feet, you can depend on him on the box. Last season, his numbers were 
incredible last season. This season took him a bit of time and there were some personal issues that he was dealing with, but he's come back and he's trying to end the season on a strong, strong way as because there's still the, the Euros at the end of the season that he probably would want to be part of it. And again, Cavani again. Cavani, if there was ever a striker at his age that knows how to dictate space, to drag defenders out, to allow others in, that's Edison Cavani for you. And United should try whatever they can to stay, get him to stay another season. There's been a lot of talk that he wants to leave and all such, but they should try to re-sign him. So United are going great guns. And for me, second is definitely sewn up and I'll put them favourites for the Europa League as well. What kind of season has it been for Ole and, and Man United, Nicolas Arnil? Uh, the, we, we, we hear, well, I mean, people were saying PE teacher, interim manager, he won't last long. But he's, what, two years in now? If he gets a trophy, I know it's still a massive if, uh, but but that, that's got to be done for, for, I think, for a lot of United fans to totally accept it. But how do you see the progress, speaking as a neutral? I think it's been a season for answering a lot of critics. Um, like you mentioned, you know, PE teacher, someone who doesn't know uh, what he's doing, you know, being given a six-year contract, you know, coming from a small club like Older, is he capable enough to manage this uh, this team, you know, even though he's got such a great history as a player, you know, can he translate it? You know, all those questions seem to be answered slowly by slowly, you know. And I think the players uh, uh, have have also sort of uh, really uh, looked to him, not, not only as a coach, but as a mentor, as a friend. I watched a, a video earlier this week uh, on, on Paul Pogba, you know, and, and just the comparison of uh, man management between him and Mourinho and while Pogba took a slight dig at, at Mourinho and said that Mourinho is the kind of coach that, you know, doesn't really defend his players. He, he tends to leave his players out in the open to criticism and they don't do well, you know, tends to make things about him. Uh, the complete opposite is with Ole, you know. He, he's the kind of guy who comes to you, puts a hand, hand around your shoulder, you know, and tries to, to pump you up, you know, tries to motivate you for the next game. And you can see the work that he's done in so many of these players. It's not just Pogba, it's Luke Shaw. You know, it's Maguire, you know, so many players all over the park. Greenwood, you know, uh, all, all these players don't just change, you know, they don't just produce flashes of brilliance uh, out of the blue, you know. It's, it's got to be a work in progress done by the manager. And I think Ole has done a, a sublime job uh, throughout this season. And, and it's, it's, it's a work in progress. United are not a complete article. They're not a finished article. Uh, they're going to get better. And uh, it's good that uh, United had given him a six-year contract because he's got the time. He's got he's got the fate by by the supporters now and also the management and I and I see only good things for for him and United. Yeah, if you like that Pogba interview, I can't wait for the Pogba documentary or Pogba what Netflix Pogba coming out soon. <laughs> All right, we're going for our final break. A lot of football happening throughout the week for you. Tell you about it right after this. No, a happy return, but a reality check bordering on a rude awakening. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. For this season, off and running with a goal inside eight minutes. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. There's goal kill Nicholas Arnil and Arvin Sidhu looking at the football happening uh, over the week, because the FA Cup semi-finals happened over the weekend, so some of the matches, the teams involved in these semis, uh, didn't play their league games. But uh, the Leeds-Liverpool game was always scheduled for a Monday night kickoff. Uh, I hate three AM kickoffs, but I have to, I have to come wake up for this one because 
yeah, it looks good on paper. Let, let's let's come to you first and talk about Leeds, Arvin Sidhu. Reports in Argentina, forget the team talk and all that. Reports in Argentina suggest that Bielsa is close to signing a two-year contract. Now, that is bigger than anything. Yeah, uh, the week before that, there was another report that said that he wanted to go back to Argentina to be with his mentor. And then the following week, it came back and it said that he's going to sign a two-year deal. But he's come on the last press conference and said, uh, no such thing. Listen to me and the club. When we have a right time to announce something, we will. And it's it's the motto of Bielsa. He will leave his discussions towards the end of the season. He will look at what they have achieved and what's set up for the next season, man of principle. So I wouldn't expect any Bielsa decisions until end of the season, but I fully expect him to stay at Leeds. I don't see him going anywhere else. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be a, a real good one, I feel, tonight. It's going to be worth waking up for anyone. I mean, Leeds being uh, the maverick that they are, probably most fans' second favourite team in the Premier League. Uh, Rafinha has a doubt. They'll be missing Liam Cooper because he's got sent off in the last game. So it's a question of, do they bring Pascal Struich in or do they bring Robin Koch back in? So there's a few things that Leeds need to figure out. And you're up against a Liverpool side who have seen what's happened in the weekend. They've seen West Ham slip up. And they'll think to themselves, yeah, this is our window to kind of get into that. They've got a good run in Liverpool after this. I think the only other tough game I think they've got is United. But the rest of the fixtures, pretty good. So, But at least we'll give Liverpool a game as they've given literally everyone else. And Bielsa will know the way that he always knows how to play football, which is the right way, as I'm sure Desmond Fever as well. Yeah, the, the Leeds absentees, well, Cooper is big, but if Rafinha doesn't make it, that's that's massive. Uh, a lot of good that Leeds do comes through Rafinha. Um, right, Des, Liverpool will come into this with their tails up. They will know that three points will secure them fourth, at least for this round of matches. And, and that's a great fillip going into the final six. Uh, it, it is. Uh, the results have fallen Liverpool's way. It, it, it's quite ironic that on this week of capitalistic talk, uh, it's two socialist football teams up against each other with two managers who have that socialist all in this together. Uh, it, it's 11 versus 11 or your full squad. Everybody carries the weight and a, a big work ethic. So if you remember the 4-3 at the start of the season, that set the tone. It was. It was. It's been a crazy ride for Leeds and pretty crazy for Liverpool fans as well. Looking forward to this. Uh, I think Jurgen Klopp and the excellent players that Liverpool have got. They've got fantastic players. They've obviously underachieved this year with that dreadful run uh, January, February uh, and, and, and the home form. But Liverpool will, will sense there's an opportunity. West Ham, they've slipped up. Uh, Everton and Tottenham haven't produced the challenges yet. If they can get their nose into that top four, you never know. And they can hope Chelsea are distracted by Europe and by uh, the, uh, the FA Cup final. Big game for Liverpool. Uh, they all are. And Jurgen Klopp has described this as ev every game. There's no grand finals. They're all grand finals between now and the end of the season, including that tasty little one. United away and Leeds away in your remaining uh, seven fixtures. It's, um, it's something to savour. It's football. It's tradition. It matters. I'll get up at three in the morning to watch it because it matters. Oh, yeah. I'm a fan of neither club and I'll get up at three in the morning to watch this. Um, Leeds United can come into this game, Nick, with, you know, on, on a high because they were fearless at the Etihad. They went, took the game to City despite being a man down. They need that kind of attitude against this Liverpool side. Um, and that's the kind of attitude which I think we will most definitely see. You look at the goals scored and goals considered. 49 scored, 
49 considered. It just sums up the 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 style of uh, approach that Leeds United has. You know, it's all or nothing, all or nothing every game. And, and the amazing thing is that this team has the legs to do it. You know, there's been a criticism of uh, Bielsa's uh, sides in the past where they, you know, usually uh, run out of steam towards the end of the season. They don't have the legs to show for it. But it's not been the case last season. You know, we were rampant all the way and it doesn't seem to be the case this season. You know, so uh, the only concern uh, is the injuries to Rafinha. Um, you know, and Cooper's not there. So there will be changes at centre-back. Uh, I expect Tyler Roberts, you know, to, to continue to shine. He's been doing a great job for me. Uh, but, you know, once again, it'll be full throttle from Leeds United. And the good thing is Leeds United do not have anything to lose, you know, as much as Liverpool. Liverpool are chasing Champions League spots. They are trying to get into the best position to end the season. Uh, you know, but for Leeds, you know, KPI has already been achieved. Anything from here onwards is a bonus. And, you know, going to go out there with that, um, you know, so not, not so much of treasure. And I think that's going to benefit them. Okay, it's a 3 a.m. kickoff. It is a tasty game. It will not be a nil-nil. Mark my words. Please don't be a nil-nil. Please don't be a <laughs> It's 10th versus 6th. Uh, Tuesday, 3 a.m. leads against uh, Liverpool. Now, if Liverpool get three points and get fourth, Chelsea can get it back off them the following night because Chelsea take on Brighton at the bridge. What Kind of Chelsea team? Well, you'd expect it's a Thomas Tuchel team. They're going to be ready and up for it. And it's a massive squad. We've spoken about how good this this Chelsea squad are, Arvin Sidhu. And and now, I mean, Tuchel's gone in and done a a marvellous job. Better than anyone could have imagined, really, right? Yeah, he has. Uh, Since he's been appointed, no other club in Europe has had as many clean sheets as he has. So he clearly has gone in and figured out what needs to be done at that club. Uh, and they've been hard to beat. They've been, except that, that that nightmare of a result against West Brom. Other than that, they've just been incredibly, incredibly solid. And they'll be on such a high right now. I mean, progressing to the FA Cup final, uh, glamour tie in the Champions League against Real Madrid. They, they will be feeling, they will be up and about. And it doesn't matter if the rotation of what they bring in and whoever they bring in. You would expect the wing-backs to, to, to change Reese James and Ben Chilwell played over the weekend, but you would expect even if the replacements come in, they'll be just as good for them. Uh, and the front three as well. Tammy Abraham can't seem to get a game. You would expect him maybe to potentially get a start. You've got Giroud. So the strength of depth is just crazy. And it it bodes well because, and I agree with what we said at the earlier, the club, uh, earlier the call, I don't think there's any other club that is peaking as well as Chelsea are towards yeah. the end of the season. Yeah. And I think Thomas Lucher has got a bit of motivation. He missed out on the Champions League final last season. He's got that extra bit of a motivation to kind of deliver something. So watch that space. Very like Jose Mourinho, the Thomas Tuchel way. Oh, wait a sec. No. <laughs> uh, Chelsea Brighton is uh, Wednesday, 3 a.m. Speaking of Jose Mourinho, Tottenham take on Southampton, 7th against 14th. Um, if Spurs are serious, Des, about finishing as high as possible in the league, then they're going to take this one seriously. Southampton, you could argue nothing to play for now. Uh, but Jose, I mean, he's got other things on his mind. Let's assume Kane won't be available for this one. Rested or, you know, he, he limped off, didn't he? So if he's not, Spurs, are they going to struggle? Well, will he have one eye on the Carabao Cup final? Because I think his, his uh, career at Tottenham, not his career, it's either been a fabulous career, but his, his, his time at Tottenham, depends on the performance in the Carabao Cup. So I would imagine he will 
um, take it semi-seriously. He needs the points because they're not out of it. This stupid season has seen so many strange results that uh, it, it's, it's eminently possible both Liverpool and uh, Chelsea both implode. Uh, Man United can't. Leicester could implode. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Tottenham, if they could pick out, what have they got? They've got six games left, 18 points, takes them up to 68 points. 68 points might be good enough for a top four place. Not beyond the realms of possibility, but it is Tottenham. And the way they've thrown points away is crazy. Carabao Cup or the League Cup, as the traditionalists would uh, have us call it. Forget all this sponsorship garbage. Um, the League Cup is the thing that um, Mourinho has most got to have his eye on. Um, and, and Southampton, ugh, nothing to play for. Will I get up at one o'clock in the morning to watch this? No, I will not. <laughs> um, yeah, um, Jose with one eye on, I'm sure, the Cup final. And that Cup final, that League Cup final is now massive for Jose Mourinho. Not as big as, in fact, it's bigger for Jose than Tottenham. <laughs> that that's how big it is, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of tradition, Des forgot to mention this earlier. When Man United played Burnley, Burnley almost had a one to one twelve. To 11. One to yeah. sorry, one to eleven. The only thing was the goalkeeper Farrell Peacock who wore eighteen. Uh, we yeah, will Ashley Westwood wore eighteen. And, and, oh, Ashley and Westwood wore eighteen. We'll shoot him tomorrow. <laughs> I reckon we should go back to no numbers, no names before the 19th. It was the 1931 FA Cup final, ruined football forever. Ah, <laughs> football, didn't, football didn't exist then. I forgot. All right. Uh, very quickly, some of the other games happening. Aston Villa take on Man City, 11th versus first. What kind of team will Pep put out? We don't know. Leicester take on West Brom on Friday at 3 a.m. our time. Uh, that's just about it. That that, And then there's a Friday night game, but we'll tell you about that on Friday. So much football to look forward to. But I'm going to have to say thanks to the guys. Listen, no more discussions or on a breakaway chat show, right? You you guys be good. Uh, thank you, Arvin Sidhu. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week ahead. Thanks, Nicholas Arnil. Yes, Ross. And thank you, Des Gokil. Johor, top of the Malaysia Super League, five points clear of Tranganu, and football died. Football 1992 to 2021. Rest in peace. Have a great week, everybody. We'll be back as dramatic on Friday. Bye now. Off the ball every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.